Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to the Fabrication Friday podcast. I'm your host, Joe Fairley, certified prosthetist, 3D printing enthusiast, and owner of Ascent Fabrication. Fabrication Friday is an all-around fun time where I talk about 3D printing applications, conduct interviews with industry leaders, and much more. Come join us every Friday for an informational discussion around the evolution of the additive manufacturing field and how we utilize various digital workflows and 3D printing methods in our daily work at Ascent Fabrication. Hey, how's it going, everyone? You got Joe Fairley here from Ascent Fabrication. Thanks for tuning in to Fabrication Friday today, uh, May 31st. We've already uh, almost gone halfway through the year here. We're really chugging along at, at Ascent Fabrication uh, in our prosthetics and orthotics 3D printing with digital design and actually in-house training services as well. Um, really getting getting into the training aspect of things for kind of trying to build up the educational level of 3D printing knowledge within the prosthetics and orthotics field. Um, you know, that's where we started out, uh, myself being a certified prosthetist and seeing the applications in the field for 3D printing. Uh, we really found a nice niche here with uh, these, these personalized on-site trainings. Um, and we're about to do uh, one this week, actually, with, uh, with a customer right here in New York. So if you're also in the prosthetics and orthotics field looking for training services for your 3D printer or you're looking to get into 3D printing and you're trying to figure out you know, how to do that, um, you know, definitely reach out to us for some support and guidance on what 3D printer to get, what kind of software you might need, what 3D scanner you might need. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely help you out to figure out what would be best for you and your situation. Um, but yeah, today I wanted to bring on um, our 3D printing technician, Spencer. Spencer's been with us for about three months now, and uh, you know he's done an awesome job um, taking everything um, that I've been throwing at him and really just running with it. So Spencer, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, good, man. We're... Uh, you know, like I said, halfway through the year here and uh, three months that you've been with us. So, um, you know, kind of take us through a little bit about, you know, what did you expect, you know, coming into Ascent Fabrication and what got you interested in us in the first place? Um, so I actually was looking for a complete career change. I used to be an insurance adjuster um, and just really wanted to do something new. Um so I found this job listing for 3D print tech and I had done some 3D printing in high school as well as had looked into getting into it myself at home just as a hobby. Um, so here I am now three months later and I feel like I actually have learned quite a bit about 3D printing as opposed to just the basic knowledge I had beforehand. Um, you know, in high school, we didn't do too much with it. Um, we printed these 3D trains and now we're actually using it for practical elements like prosthetics and some of these other projects that we're starting to work on. Yeah, yeah. So you started 3D printing something back in high school then? Yeah, so we actually, it was a, just an engineering intro program at my high school. Okay. Um, what high school was it? Voorheesville High School down okay. in Albany. Sure. Um, so what we did was we actually went through using Inventor and designed a train that yeah. pieced together and rolled and everything. So yeah. it was a really cool just to you know get excitement into 3D printing at a younger age. Nice. Um, so that would maybe we'll see more people get into the field as time goes on. For sure. Yeah. So Inventor, um, was that a part of 
one of the CAD courses specifically. Like I went through um, at Saratoga Springs High here, we had the uh, Project Lead the Way courses. Was that was that something specific to that, or was it just inventor through another class or something? Yes, it was actually getting into um, the Project Lead the Way stuff. Where as well started with those programs where we're starting to offer more STEM based classes in order to actually be able to offer a college credit and advanced regents diplomas. Um, okay. and so that was just through our technology class that was offered. Yeah. Um, I think it was just called intro to engineering. Actually, it was the first yeah. year it was offered my senior year. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's honestly the best place to start to learn that type of thing. Um, you know, starting to learn any type of CAD when you're younger is definitely helpful to, uh, you know, continuing on and being able to use those skills. Um, you know, yeah, I, that was my first introduction was in a 3d, not a 3d printing course, but a. Uh, inventor course, you know, Autodesk has a couple different um, kind of beginner level CAD uh, programs there. And I don't know where Inventor is at now, if Inventor is still kind of updating or if Fusion 360 is kind of taking it now. I haven't used it at all since yeah. then. The only other program I've ever used is actually Blender. And that's just because sure. I use uh, Macintosh, so that actually runs on that software. So okay. Oh, so you'd used Blender before I too? I have used Blender briefly, just when I was okay. thinking about getting back into it as a hobby, just kind of designing some things and yeah. just you know playing around with it more than anything to see if getting back into it was a good idea. And then right. I ended up here anyways, so I haven't had to use Blender. It's back to yeah Autodesk. Yeah, yeah. Blender's interesting though. Um, we might end up using Blender a little bit for a couple different projects. Um, Specifically, I like the fact that Blender can actually, um, you can create your own plugins. Okay. They're just kind of these um, predefined workflows for whatever steps you want to do. And you can write some of your own code to put into Blender to be able to do something a little bit more automatically. Okay. Um, you know, we've got a, a couple different contacts actually globally that have used that I know that have used Blender quite a bit for prosthetics and orthotics. Um, yeah, I don't know what else specifically Blender is kind of mainly used for. If it's just in the, um, you know, more so the um, just creating, you know, sculpting objects like in in movies and stuff. I think. You can kind of create little clips yeah, in not, there too. I'm not exactly sure what its yeah. main use is, like what people yeah. use it for most of the time. I think there's some sculpting features, but um, I think it's been used in like actual movie making um, at some, you know, like more on like a cartoon level. Yeah, I could see that type thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, Blender. You know, we've we've mentioned Inventor, getting started with Inventor stuff. Uh, we now use mesh mixer from autodesk quite a bit um and then fusion 360 obviously for you know those more um practical designing something with measurements right right so yeah did you think coming into ascent fab that you were going to be doing more so the the software side of things as well or kind of what was your expectation um, there so my expectation was more that i was going to be working with the machines and then doing a little bit of the software so i do think it's cool that i'm getting into that software more and actually learning about it and being able to use it um because i kind of just thought it was going to be you know use the printers and then 
you know, once I learned a little bit more about slicing, um, actually getting into slicing and learning all of those settings, but actually getting to do this design work with these programs like Mesh Mixer and Fusion 360, um, it's been really cool. I love to learn things. I think I told you that right when I came on. Yeah. So um, this has been great for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was the only uh, job requirement, right? Yeah. Like I said, it was, uh, you know, have an enthusiasm for 3D printing and, yeah. uh, you know, just be willing to learn. Yeah. Um, and uh, a lot of trial by fire. You know, I've kind of thrown things at you that uh, <laughs> yeah. I've given you very little instruction on at some points and, uh, you know, doing a very nice job at, uh, you know, kind of coming up with your own pathway to that, you know, some type of solution. So, um, I mean, that's how I learn, right. um, you know, quite a bit, you know, you learn by your failures, you learn by figuring stuff out, yeah. right. Was the quote, there's no failures. There's only lessons. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, there's definitely lessons from failed prints. I'll yeah, tell that, you. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Very much. You know, we just, uh, walked into a failed print the other day. That's uh, a 30 hour print yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was about, uh, 27, 28 hours into it. And I'm looking at the failed print right now with a little bit of disgust, but also like, it almost okay. Made it. it almost made it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, uh, it's a pretty cool project actually. Um, I've been, um, I've been told that it's, uh, it's okay for us to share some of this information here. We're working on a, a fun art project with, uh, a local college, Skidmore college in Saratoga. Um, they have the Tang Museum. Uh, the Tang Museum is looking to put on this project um, of these airplane windows that they've come up with that are about, um, I think it was like 20 inches by 24 inches. They're, they're pretty large prints. And before, um, you know, they were getting them printed on just a, um, on the smaller printers at a smaller scale. Uh, they're at the, uh, kind of makerspace lab at Skidmore. Um, but they wanted to do like full large scale printing. Um, and our, our PVA med emergence pro was perfect for that. Um, it just barely fits the build volume. <laughs> We're completely maxing out the build volume, uh, with these prints. But uh, it's doing doing a pretty good job. You know, we're using a 1.5 millimeter nozzle that's actually specific to the PVA med printer. Um, PVA is also another local company. We've got a lot of local things going on. Um, you know, they're down in Half Moon, and um, you know, I I just I do really like the amount of build volume we have with that machine. Um, with a 1.5 millimeter nozzle, we're able to spit out a lot of material at one time. So, you know, having this 30 hour print beyond anything less than that, it would have, you know, doubled the print time. Definitely. Yeah. So that's been a fun project so far. We're, uh, we're about halfway through it right now. And, um, you know, again, it's just a learning process, right? I've, I've changed the slicer settings three times now, yep. um, learning from each one that goes on. And I think I told you this on the first one, I was like, you know, we're going to probably scrap the first one because yeah. it's not going to be great, but I want to see it up until this point, what yeah. happens so that we know how to fix it yeah, later on. I remember when I came in the one morning and one of the pieces at the bottom was not looking too hot, but you wanted to keep it going just to make sure we're actually not, you know, cause you don't want to waste that material at the bottom. It's already messed up. You might as well see what's Right, right at the top too before right. trying to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember exactly 
kind of what the problem was and uh, what I did to fix it? Um, I do remember something about um, it was with the traveling over because it is a hollow piece. So the overhang angle is yep. It yep. was pretty ridiculous, honestly, on this type of part. I really had questions on how we were getting this done. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, you figured it out, like you said, through trial and error. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had an overhang angle at the top of this open hollow space where you're essentially printing over air, yeah. right? Um, and so I needed to increase the number of bottom and top solid layers in order for it to have some kind of support to be able to print over midair, right? right? Um, and then I also put some uh, infill in there. There's yeah. actually down at the bottom and the top, I think it ended up being somewhere between 10 or 15% gyroid infill pattern, um, just to give it a little bit of something to help those bottom solid layers just um, give it some sort of platform to print on. Right. And then, um, and then we increased, you know, that coverage basically, and we're able to fill that gap at the bottom. Um, the, you know, if you can think, you know, for our, our listeners here visualizing this, you know, think of an airplane window, it's literally that shape. So at the top portion, you have this crazy overhang angle that it's essentially printing in midair. Um, so one of the things that we did to, um, to fix that was I actually increased the print speed um, for um, those overhang angles. So it would print a little bit faster. So it would gap that, that open area a little bit better. Um, and then, uh, you know, just tried to, again, put some uh, infill percentage and then increase the bottom and top solid layers. Now, this one failed specifically because um, it was knocked out of place by the extruder um, as it was trying to print. So there wasn't good adhesion to the print surface. Um, we're just printing PLA, uh, nothing crazy. So typically we just have a, a glue stick on the print surface. Um, you know, so I didn't put more glue on the bed. I probably should have for that print. And there you go. We've got a print that got knocked off uh, because there was a little too much contact when it was trying to print the, the very top portion. And it just knocked it enough to where it moved it around a little bit. Um, but yeah, you, you learn from those little lessons and, right. uh, you know, you move on and make the next one better. So um, I'll mention here from, from Skidmore, I've uh, been working with Rachel Seligman and Annalise Kelly, uh, the Tang Teaching Museum, um, and they wanted me to mention the one of the artists here too, I believe, Lauren Kelly. Um, and, uh, you know, we're really, really fortunate to be working with them. Uh, really looking forward to seeing what they think of these prints. And uh, yeah, so they're going to end up painting them, which is pretty cool. Um, they're going to paint them and have them... Um, you know, it's a picture frame, so they're going to put pictures on, on the back side facing forward. So that'll be pretty neat to see, you yeah. know, kind of what they come up with and maybe helping to try to hide some of these very slight, you know, printing inconsistencies that might come up. So um, that'd be pretty cool to, to finish up that project with them. Have you painted on any of this material before? I haven't painted anything. Um, you know, I have seen some prints painted and... 
you know, all the different types of painting. You could just, you could airbrush it. You could paint it with a paintbrush. Um, you can hydro dip it too, yeah. too. I've, I've been thinking about that would, hydro dipping. That would be really cool. Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about hydro dipping quite a bit. Um, there's this one company that I watch on Insta, uh, LinkedIn that hydro dips prosthetic sockets. Yeah. And they look sweet. That's what I would say. Like, yeah. you know, even the covers and things. Yep, yeah. That would be really cool. So, yeah, I did look up. You can paint over PLA fairly easily. Um Again, it's a, it's a material thing, right? So we have to yeah. figure out what paints would actually work well with um, with certain materials, what would stick well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, having maybe a polypropylene and trying to paint over that, I don't know how well that would work. Yeah, that's definitely interesting to see, you know, what types of paint would have worked best. Yeah. I would think an airbrush would probably be one of the best things to use just for this. Potentially, yeah, depending on how, I don't know how detailed, you know, they want to get the paint. Right. You know, if they do like a coat of primer first and then they want to hand paint it, I'm yeah. not sure. Also depends how much paint you would use to um, cover up the layers. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and again, that's like whether or not you want to see the layers or not, you know, definitely having like maybe one or two coats of paint. Would hide that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, very cool project to be working on with those guys. Um, yeah. So with the, with the 3d printing that you've done for us now, um, you know, how do you feel with the 3d printers? Do they, you know, are they singing to you now? Are you still kind of um, uh, figuring it out? But I think on terms of the actual hardware, um, and knowing, you know, what's going on with the printer, um, I've started to really figure that out and understand, you know, how important, you know, your nozzle size is and, um, you know, how you're gapping that as well. You know, you don't want to be too close, too far. Um, I find it really interesting with the 1.5 that we're using for these, uh, airplane windows that it has to really be, you know, smushed down in there and it's almost like a spatula going over it the way it's extruding material. Yeah. Um, so I definitely say that I've, started to get a really good grasp on the machines um in the slicer settings i'm i'm definitely getting there but there's there's a lot to learn and i don't think there'll ever be a point where we're not learning about 3d printing because of the technology's change oh yeah i mean technology's changing materials are changing printers changing um heck the slicers are changing yeah you know there's new slicer programs coming out there are updates constantly to slicer yeah. programs and, you know, to be fair, for every print that we put in there, they might have to slice slightly different every time. Yeah. You know, you might have a design that works really well 90% of the time with your settings, but, you know, that other 10%, you might still have to kind of tweak those settings a little bit in order to get that, you know, really pristine print that you're looking for. So, um, yeah, the, the slicer side of things is always a... Um, it's a part of the recipe, right? So it's part of, you know, that design for additive manufacturing, um, little buzzword that I've been trying to put in everyone's ear now, you know, it's not just how, uh, that end product comes out. It's, you know, what, how do you actually design it? Are you designing it from a custom scan? Are you designing it from scratch in fusion with specific measurements and tolerances? You have to design per the material. Too, right um you know with polypropylene shrinkage yeah. um or vario shore expanding. you know foaming expanding you know you kind of have different tolerances with those which we've already seen too right mm -hmm. 
Um, take us through one of those examples of, you know, what we had to do with uh, material choice. Um, I mean, just the, the biggest thing that I think has made me understand that concept of the material change is um, how much we've played with the race 3D, actually getting it to work with the Vario short because of that foaming. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, you know, you've said it, it's a tricky material to print with because of that. Um, so actually making sure that it's not building up on itself too much because just because you have that one offset doesn't mean that it's not going to build up. From that. Sometimes that has to be changed throughout a print. Right. Um, like when we've done some of the uh, FFRs yeah. on the TBA or the Kratos um, and we're just sitting there watching it for a while just trying to make sure that it's yeah. not going to fall over and get all up into the extruder. Yeah. Yeah. Now those, um, that little bit of space definitely matters, you know, how far that nozzle is from the bed and then your general offset, you know, you can build in an extra Z offset to that. So we've tried to do that a little bit with the raise machine. Um, because for whatever reason, you know, it's just not quite foaming as well as we want it to. Um, you know, so dialing in that Z offset is pretty crucial again for any material. You know, we talked about how that 1.5 millimeter nozzle is actually flat. It's not pointed at the, at the tip and it actually acts like a spatula. So we want that a different distance away from the bed than we would, you know, Vario Shore where we actually want extra space. Yeah. Could you even really print effectively with the 1.5 Vario Shore just because of how close it has to be? And I'm guessing you could. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're then just thinking about, I guess, again, the physics of pushing around material and because that, you know, foaming is so sticky, right? It probably would just get more so, you know, stuck to the nozzle than anything else. That's what I would think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. there might be a way, I guess that's, you know, another thing to test out and learn yeah. if it, if it works or not. Yeah. I mean, we've got a 1.2 millimeter nozzle. We could go a little bit bigger, have a little bit more foaming, yeah. print a little bit faster. Yeah. Um, so I might try that out a little bit right now. We use a one millimeter nozzle, uh, with Vario Shore typically, and we've gotten it to print on, you know, several different machines, yeah, right? Definitely. So it's a cool material. Um, I'm actually going to be talking at um, Rochester Institute of Technology's um, Additive Manufacturing Symposium next week on kind of these non-traditional materials in, in 3D printing. Yeah. And Vario Shore is gonna be kind of the highlight of that and talking about the clinical applications we have. So, um, you know, the, the foam flex air, flexible inner socket's gonna be highlighted there. Um, there's a lot of really cool speakers at that event too. Um, from all different types of 3D printing industries. So it'll be pretty cool to get out to Rochester next week and, um, you know, see what all those speakers have to say about their different, um, you know, different industries with 3D printing. So it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But like, so with your interest level now in 3D printing and, um, you know, you've, you have some experience with drones. You, you like to fly drones. You've got your own business doing that too. Um, you know, there's a little bit of 3d printing in the drone industry too, right? Yeah. Um, that's a really, you know, new technology that, you know, drone manufacturers are working on. And now I've begun to actually use the softwares. Um, so actually taking using photo photometry 
to create you know 3d models that are actually accurate down to almost a centimeter yeah um so actually you know i'd love to actually bring some of these scans in and see what we could do um to print these um you know making replicas of buildings that are actually to scale that you could hold in your hands right um i think the applications for city planning could be massive doing that sure um, sure yeah because they have um you know, landscape and architecture planning already with with models, right? right. How are those made now? What do, are they maybe still plastic injection molded parts, I guess? Or that and a lot of it's just in terms of the computer part of it is just rendering it using you know yeah. other images and um, you know just taking you know maybe an image of something they like and editing it and putting it into the you know landscape of where it's going to go to try to mm -hmm. get the funding or you know get the go ahead okay we want to build this right um right. so that's really where that kind of stuff is coming from the architecture spot side of things but in terms of you know changing and just you know understanding what you have there that's really the application i think of the 3d modeling mm -hmm. um whereas you know we're also getting into mapping with that where that's not as you know the 3d side of it as much but it's still right. a great tool for construction as well right um so there's definitely some applications where i think the industries will start to collide a little bit in terms of those like making 3d models for businesses mm -hmm. um or just you know for fun people like stuff like that you know people sure. might want a little 3d model of their house or their camp or you know you yep. can even do a car at that point sure sure we, we were doing the pool models yeah you exactly. know people want to buy a, a specific pool model and uh you know this local company reached out to us to do those designs um of the uh yeah river pools a, uh, a national franchise there. Um, you know, those were some pretty decent 2D drawings that uh, you took and ran with them and, and did that design work. So um, what did you think about that initial kind of project there? I actually had fun with it. Honestly, yeah. I, I liked it. You know, it was, you know, some of it was challenging. I know once you're actually trying to get into changing the depth of the pool, that was really where, you know, some challenges struck but you know mm -hmm. you were able to help me out with that so it was a good learning moment where i've yeah. actually gotten to the point now where i can design one pretty fast when we've been asked to design one uh, yeah. a new one um so i really like that project and getting back into you know using fusion 360 and mm -hmm. really understanding what it can and can't do sometimes you know right right um, but i enjoyed that project and yeah you know i think there's a lot more we can do with them and you know other projects just like that right can you take us through a little bit about, you know, what you're thinking when you're designing one of those? What, what was your process like? Um, so the main process was to. Cause you started with the 2d drawing, right? Yeah. So what I did was I took the 2d, uh, representation off of their website and just put that right. I took a screenshot of that and put it into fusion and then was able to just trace that, um, you know, using line tools, slide this line curve tool, um, and even the arc tool a couple times. Yeah. Um, just to make those, you know, stairs and all of that. Um, and then actually extruding that up. Um, you know, the process was to create the box and then actually just cut it in order to get that depth as mm -hmm. opposed to, right. you know, making the depth in order to save on material because we didn't right. want to, you know, do all that infilling just to do that. So mm -hmm. it was much easier to slant it, which was very similar to how they had their uh, cutouts because they did have the two right. drawings that you could actually fold into a little cutout. But right, 
Um, yeah, that flat surface, you know, we wanted to be able to print on a flat surface. Right. So you're thinking about printing considerations as you're trying to do this design too, yeah. right? Um, yeah, also as, uh, you know, we decided we wanted to print it on the 0.4 nozzle. So yep. we got more detail in it. Um, so making sure that, you know, all of the borders were the right size. So, you know, we ended up making the walls uh, 0.8. Yep. We only had to do the two perimeters there. Yep. Yeah. Other design considerations yeah. based off of how you're printing it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very applicable. Um, again, just with any design that you do. Yeah. I mean, it could have been completely different if we, you know, wanted to make a much bigger and print them on, let's say the Kratos who used a 2.5, you know, we're not yeah. going to yeah. make them 0.8. That'd be that a nice pool model that'd at that a, point. Shoot. Be. We could print out a whole jacuzzi <laughs> maybe on that, on that printer. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> That'd be great. Have have a printer that you could just like print a jacuzzi in pieces, <laughs> you know, and, and weld that together after the fact. Probably good. I don't see why not. What they're using fiberglass right now yeah. for that kind of stuff. There's there's plastic pools out there, right? Yeah. Let's let's print Judah. Judah's my my dog here. Let's print Judah a plastic kitty pool that he can just jump around yeah. in. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, have a little, uh, you could, I, I, well, there you go. You could print out some dog bowls. Maybe yeah. that's a cool new line yeah, we're going to get go. into. Absolutely. You know, dog toys. You yep. Know? We, uh, we have no shortage of ideas for what we could 3D print <laughs> yeah. here. Um, you know, the possibilities are endless and uh, the only limit is your imagination, right? So yeah, that's definitely true. And I know that since I've started working here and really that's what's on my mind all the time, I'll just be at home and it's like, Oh, I could, yep. I could pretty print that. I mean, I've really been, yep. I like that artillery printer that we just got. And I've, I've thought about going and buying one for myself. Yeah. At home staff, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, 300 bucks, it's, you know, it's a great entry point it, printer. It really you know? is, you know, yep. it's, it's right out there with a lot of the other ones and, you know, yeah. I've actually used it and can mm -hmm. see that it's a quality printer. Sure. Um, sure. So, I think it's a, you know a great thing. Yeah, we've printed um, a wide range of things on it already too. Yeah, we've we, used a 0.4 nozzle, 0.6, and a one. Yep. Um, doing the pool models. We've done rowing seats. Rowing seats on it. Those yeah. that's a cool project on its own. Yeah, those are two you know like we were talking about printing with Mario Shore you know for those rowing seats versus yep. you know we're printing in PLA for these pool models and actually being yep. able to use the machine for both of those applications is great. Right. Right. Yeah. Being able to use a $300 machine for, you know, a, a wide range of those devices, just, it already has, it's paid itself over like 10 times already, yeah, easily. you know? So that's, it's pretty cool to see that we can, you know, it, it's all in the design, right? So if you're, if you have your designs down to where, you know, it's going to end up printing well with certain, you know, print settings, yeah. um, thought about beforehand, then you're going to come out with a pretty nice part. Yeah, I definitely so, think that's a big takeaway on what I've learned here so far is yeah. that it's a lot easier to design for the way you want to print than to design and then be like, okay, now how do I print this? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that can get a little tricky. Because you can, can get a little tricky. design anything right. in these programs, but you yeah. can't necessarily print it. Right, right. Yeah, some of the... Uh, some of the parts that we get from people, I look at it, I'm like, I don't know if you really want to print that, or yeah. it might just be way too cost prohibitive to try to print that. And I really think it's interesting that a lot of the people that I've talked to and I've heard you talk to, 
biggest thing people don't understand is that overhang angle is that it can't just print in midair, which right, you know, yeah. Um, it's just really interesting that that's really like a big thing that people don't seem to take into consideration, but yeah, is really one of the biggest considerations to take in. Yeah, yeah, it's just those you know. Um, those things that are going to limit you based off of your print orientation too. Yeah. What kind of structural integrity do you want to have with the part? Maybe you'd be better off printing something in a different orientation because it needs structural stability in one plane um, where, you know, if you go, if you print with the force in the direction of your layer lines, that's kind of the weakest way you can print something. But if you print it, um, uh, more or less perpendicular to the layer lines, um, then you're going to have, you know, that force going in a direction that wouldn't be actually trying to split those layers apart. Right. Right. So it's going to go kind of, you know, against the grain versus with the grain. Um, you know, just trying to make sure that you print something in the most thoughtful way possible. Right. Because we're not just going to throw something into a slicer and slice it and try to print it. You know, we're going to work on that slicing side of things for maybe as long as we do the design work, too. Right. Um, sometimes that's half the battle. Yeah. You know, we might end up starting a print five or six times before we start to get something we yeah. like, you know. Um, and even then it might be halfway done and, you know, fail yep. and back to slicing, you know. Yep. And you're like, oh, okay, we've yep. got to, you know, start from <laughs> ground zero again. Yep. Or you uh, sometimes then you realize, okay, I actually can't print this part. Right. way it has to be back to back to design back to design make it printable by yeah. the print you know process that you're doing um you know and then maybe you think about a different printing process um there's you know multi-jet fusion and selective laser sintering where you don't have those design problems uh, because you essentially have that powder as the support material so you have a lot more freedom with design that way. And then the tolerances aren't really as much of a consideration at that point, again, based on materials for sure. But, um, you know, the heating and cooling of the part can induce some warping, but yeah, you have a little bit more design freedom when you go for something like that. However, that part's going to cost, you know, X times more than your FDM printed part. Right. So that's kind of the downside of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, now that you've kind of been with us for a few months and, you know, looking at the printers that you've used, um, which out of the several printers that, you know, we have here, uh, would you say is, you know, maybe your favorite, I guess, and or why? Um, um, you know, I really don't know what yeah. my favorite printer would be. Yeah. Um, or for what, like, application so far? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do like the Kratos, and I think that's just because it is really cool watching some of these really, you know, bigger parts mm -hmm. print fast. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I really like that. I think it would be really cool to print, you know, some massive things. I mean, we've talked about, you know, how massive some of these printers can be and what you right. can really print, you know? Right. Um. You know, I'm sure there's printers out there that have, you know, the build volume of like me per se, you know, or yeah. just a person. Essentially. Um, I've so, seen a couple printers that big. Yeah. So there is, um, you know, I'd really find that interesting that we can actually get that much material out like mm -hmm. that. Um, but 
But I also have to say I like the uh, Ultimaker kind of. I like just yeah. watching it print. It's very satisfying on that glass <laughs> yeah. top. I yeah. can't lie. Um, it's sharp, man. They yeah. so that was like the first printer that I ever worked right. on was an Ultimaker Ultimaker two or Ultimaker two plus, something like that. Yeah. That was back in twenty fifteen, you know, twenty twenty three, eight years later. They have really fine tuned that yeah. machine. But the the basic guts of it are almost practically the same. Yeah. You know? Um, so it's pretty like you said, satisfying. I yeah. think it's just I mean, it's, what do you what do you think is so satisfying about it? it? Honestly, it's the way to, it just is uh, it extrudes the material onto that nice glass build plate. And then on yeah. top of that, like, um, you know, we've worked on some projects where, you know, getting the part off of that build plate is a pain. So just yeah. being able to easy yep. take that glass build plate off and, you know, bring it over to the desk and work on sure. it there as opposed to, you know, having your hands in the printer and sure. trying to deal with that. I think that's a great aspect of it, too. Yeah, having a removable plate, you know, is definitely helpful. Um, you know, an easily removable that it's yeah two little metal brackets yep that's it just pops right out yep yeah yeah they have a um they have a taller version of that printer um so this one is the two plus connect or something like that i think um and there's a so there's not a bigger one of the connect but of a previous version there was the two plus extendeds that we started to use for prosthetics and orthotics a little bit because um, those were kind of the the on the cheaper level of consumer uh, printing and had the bigger build volume. Right. Um, you know, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the bigger build volume. Yeah. You know, go, go FI or go home, go with Phil Innovations or yeah. go home because, you know, with, with that tall, um, with that tall build volume and then wide too, you know, the, I think the Kratos is the little brother to the Icarus and the Icarus can fit, you know, a scoliosis body jacket in there. So someone's torso. Yeah. Right. Um, we, we had a project actually with PP print last year where they wanted us to print a mannequin oh. and um, you know, the, I forget at the time. No, I did have the Kratos at the time, but I was like, oh man, I really wish I had an Icarus because I could print almost the entire mannequin in one piece. Right. Um, which would have been pretty interesting to try to see how that would print, but yeah, you know, still printing like a, a whole leg, you know, yeah. all in one would be cool. Um, printing the torso all in one piece is cool. Um, I've kind of been drawn towards that bigger 3d printing and yeah. faster 3d printing obviously well so. it's it's interesting because like I, you know i said i like the kratos because it is that bigger volume um and i think that's really cool but at the same time on the other spectrum of it is the ultimaker and using that 0.4 nozzle and it's yep. very satisfying to see that tiny like mm-hmm. work and just that detail it has so yep. you can really go both ends of that spectrum on the, sure. you know print speed and size versus you know detail yeah and it being a little smaller but yeah. um you know, either one has its benefits and it's pretty cool either way. Right. I mean, you, you either want the detail or, you know, you're going for, for big and fast. Yeah. Um, you know, not that you can't get detail with a film innovations machine. You can, yeah. uh, you know, they have a, they have a 0.6 nozzle. They have a, a 0.9 nozzle. Right. Um, you know, so you can get some detail in those and those extruders, 
um, from Dye's design are still extremely robust yep. and still spit out a little bit more plastic than than typical 0.6 and 0.9 nozzles okay. um, I've seen. So, you know, that's that's pretty cool to see that we can still have that huge build volume, but right. maybe some of that detail. Um, you know, who knows what we would be printing on those, uh, some big car parts or something like yeah. that. That'd be pretty neat. Um, yeah, no, again, I mean, what, uh, what do you want to print now that you've kind of been in it for three months and seeing what kind of possibilities are out there? I, I really, I mean, there's so many things out there. I really don't know if I could just pick one thing. Yeah. Um, there's, there's just so much out there that you could just, you know, do it in your, in your daily life. You think of something and, you know, I told you the other day I was having a drink and I was like, damn, I really could use a bigger koozie for this. I could just three yeah. one, you know, yeah. um, it's just any application like that. So I really think that's one of the cooler parts of 3d printing, maybe not even yeah. having a project in mind. Sure. But, um, just, you know, if you have one at home and you have a, a small issue, it's okay. I can yep. go throw this into a design or in a lot of cases, you know, there's a lot of resources out there where you could just download an STL off sure. for free and sure. print something that you need and have it in an hour as opposed to, you know, going to a store and buying yep. something or, yep. um, I really think that's one of the cool parts about it. So if it was, you know, if I was to get one at home, that's something I'd probably be doing is just printing yeah. random little things around my Stuff apartment that, you need, that I need. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, one of the first things that I printed with the Ultimaker was a, a, a door, you know, coat hanger. Right. <laughs> so I was like, man, I want to get my, uh, you know, my jacket up off of my my chair. And I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, go ahead and design a coat hanger and, and be able to hang it up on the door. Right. You know, printing practical things that you can actually use is yeah. nice um, and do it relatively quickly. And cheap, you know. And cheap. Yeah. I mean, that amount of plastic PLA was like, less than a dollar probably 50 cents yeah you know, know what would you pay for pay for those at a store you know, oh yeah five to ten bucks yeah least. exactly yeah. right so uh, we should go into target and uh start you know selling some home good <laughs> stuff uh some home decor and uh you know the different different fun ideas we come up with here yeah. but no yeah it's been uh pretty cool to see you know what you've been you know taking on and uh you know, seeing what things you're picking up on with the printers. Um, what kind of advice would you give to anyone that's looking to kind of get into the 3D printing industry in general or learn more about CAD or, you know, try to come into a position like this? You know, um, I'd say the biggest thing that I've taken away is it's a lot of trial and error and kind of just, you know, sticking your hand in the fire and trying to figure it out. So I think the biggest thing is kind of not being scared to give it a try. You know, you're mm -hmm. never going to find out if you like it or if you could do it, if you don't try something. Yeah. So, um, I'd say for a lot of people out there who want to get into the industry to just give it a go. Um, you know, we were just talking about the artillery. There's a lot of great printers out there that are, yep. you know, relatively cheap to get into. Right. Um, so I would say that and just, you know, I've had Joe here who's been great. You know, he really is very knowledgeable about all this stuff. So I've gotten to, you know, learn from someone who's really great with that. But also, um, you know, we have a lot of resources on the internet. So go on YouTube, watch some videos and, you know, have a general idea of it before yeah. you get into it to see if you really like it or not. Yeah, that's that's how I started you out, yeah, right? My first week you were busy and you were just like, watch all these YouTube videos and then I'll, you know, get you going on stuff. And that was really where... Yep. I kind of jump started my memory from back in high school and other videos I had mm -hmm. seen and you know, then I was able to actually talk to you and learn. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Creating that um, kind of open dialogue of similar vocabulary is, was that like initial step, you know, what is a hot end? What is a nozzle? Yeah. Uh, Um, (laughs) You know? Yeah. Cause you, you know, hot end nozzle extruder, like they're all basically, you know, the same thing, but Mm -hmm. they're not at all the same thing when you're actually working on the machine or, you know, trying to talk to someone about, you know, what might be an issue or what might be a way to do something um, in the future. Right. Right. Yeah. So starting out with some YouTube videos, go online, go check out, you know, if you're having some kind of printing issue with your home printer, um, obviously there's a wealth of knowledge out there. Um, I think the guy's name is Thomas Sandlanderer. Uh, I believe something like that. Sandlanderer. He was a, a pretty good resource for some interesting, you know, intro to 3d printing um videos and he has a lot more very in-depth videos now that i'm sure you could go back on and see and just kind of reinforce what you and i have talked about yeah i definitely should go back and watch some of those because um yeah you know there were definitely things watching them where i was like okay i kind of know what that is whereas now i might really actually be able to say oh i know exactly what he's talking about that's a great point right yeah, CNC Kitchen, I think, was another that one. That was the other one I used. That had a couple good videos. Um, so great places to start for, um, again, intro to 3D printing. And if you're having some type of printing issue, you know, most of the time, it's actually not even the printer itself. It's actually your settings. So on that side of thing, if, uh, if we have the same printer that you do at home um, here at Ascent Fab, uh, we'll be more than happy to work with you, um, you know, locally or remotely um, to be able to troubleshoot something that you're going through. Send us the file you're working on and uh, we'll take a look at it and maybe have some suggestions for you. We print with a, a wide range of materials. Um, and again, maybe it's, you know, partially the design. Um, those print settings uh, are probably not dialed in as much as they could be using those kind of off the shelf print settings that, you know, Cura or Prusa Slicer, just any of these like fine medium and, you know, uh, I don't know, high quality um, print settings, they'll, they'll start you out for sure. But I mean, depending on the overhangs of your part, depending on how fast you're trying to print with which material, you know, you're going to have to tweak those settings in order to get a good part. So um, yeah, reach out to us if you're looking to, learn a little bit more about how to print with your printer. Again, we can help you choose materials. We also resell filament as well. Um, some TPU, some color fab, Vario Shore, PP Print Poly Pro. Uh, I've been looking at some kind of lower end PLAs too, to maybe start to have in stock just as a, as a baseline, something to print with. Um, you know, so definitely reach out to us if you're you're in the audience right now and looking for more information on your specific printer. Um, you know, if we don't have it, we could potentially still help you with that. Uh, but just trying to figure out what that first problem is with the the print is going to be the deciding factor. Um, but yeah, Spencer, thanks again, man, for uh, wanting to um, you know just jump right into the fire and and learn by trial. Um, you know, it's been great to see where you've come in in the first three months here and, you know, looking forward to kind of seeing what you can come up with here in the next three months. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. So I'm really excited to see, you know, what, you know, new challenges there will be in the future. Yeah. Well, there will be challenges. (laughs) (laughs) I'll throw some stuff at you that'll be challenging for sure. But, uh, 
yeah, no, it's, it's all fun stuff too, right? I yeah. mean, we're constantly stimulated every day with yeah. like, you know, coming up with new problem solving ideas, yep. right? So fun place to be in. Um, you know, if you are in the local region of, uh, of New York, um, we're in downtown Saratoga Springs. Uh, we're looking to start to have a little bit more of a, an open door policy here as a shop and, um, you know, invite some more people off the street. So if you're in the area and listening to this, we absolutely welcome you to stop by anytime, um, you know, check out the printers, check out what's going on. Um, if you'd want some printing filament here too, we've got that for you too. So, um, yeah, look to us for your next training. If you're looking to, uh, go to that next level of, of 3d printing and some design, um, Spencer, thanks again for coming on Fabrication Friday podcast here. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Yeah, it's been great talking, and I'm hoping that, you know, some people listen to this and realize that 3D printing isn't, you know, that scary to get into. Um, yeah. You know, I've learned it in three months, so there's no one out there who I don't think can do it. Yeah, yeah, it's more fun than anything else. So, well, thanks again, everyone, for listening to Fabrication Friday. Joe Fairley here, your host, and uh, have a great weekend. We will see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.